the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 204. I'm Paul Spain, and with me is my special guest, uh, Todd Cochran. Welcome along, Todd. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Well, great, great to have you here. Now, for those that don't know, maybe you can fill us in on where you where you fit into the uh, the tech podcasting community. Well, I've uh, I've got a tech podcast myself. I do uh, the show. It's called Geek News Central, and uh, folks can find that over at geeknewscentral.com. But uh, that's uh, I guess that's what pays the bills here at the house. But the uh, business side of things, I'm also the CEO of Raw Voice. We're a new media company where we work with podcasters essentially worldwide, providing them hosting services, podcast statistics, and a variety of other services. And we're most notable for our PowerPress plugin that is used by most podcasters on their WordPress site. Great. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining me. Now, um, for those who are a little bit curious, we don't often have U.S. guests on the podcast unless I'm traveling. So, uh, yes, I am indeed uh, in, in the U.S. at the moment. In sunny Hawaii, where Todd is based. So, uh, hey, thanks for hosting me in your studio as well, Todd. It's a uh, it's a fantastic spot you've got here. Well, thanks, and I was glad to be able to give you the uh, grand tour here. Right. Well, let's jump in now. Uh, first up, wearables are one of those spaces that just seems to be going a little bit crazy in terms of just new products coming out, pretty rapid fire. Samsung have been the uh, the leader in the space in many regards, and certainly from the watch perspective, because they've just come out with so many products, they're innovating very, very quickly. Uh, we were just looking before at the Gear S that we've got here, um, something we discussed on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Had a little bit more time with it since then. And Todd, was this your first uh, your first look at the Gear S? You're, you know, when when you leave, um, you're just going to have to accidentally leave this here. No, this this is, uh, I'm, you know, as I'm looking at this, um, it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the graphics on this, the curved screen, it really, they have done a nice job design-wise. And, you know, I put it on, and the band on this is, uh, it fits, and you can adjust it. Um, it's, this is, re- they've done a really nice job on this phone, on this smartwatch. Yeah, and, um, I mean, this this one's got, you know, the built-in uh, mobile connection, you know, SIM card slots on, so you, you can use it and, uh, you know, Operate, you know, away from uh, away from your smartphone, but still have data connectivity and so on. Uh, what I'm curious about, because you know, Apple have made their announcement, they're uh, yeah, they're, they're coming. The Apple Watch is is coming, uh, but not until 2015. And here we're looking at um, well, it's probably uh, must be the the at least the fourth watch I've seen from uh, uh, from from Samsung. So far, and uh, they they've also got um, you know one um, uh, one wearable that that that's very much focused on the on the the, the fitness category as well. Uh, what are they going to have around the time that Apple <laughs> launch uh, their watch? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see something else from uh, from Samsung. Uh, you know, within the first um, yeah three to six months of uh, of twenty fifteen. In fact, I'd be very shocked if if there wasn't another another launch. Yeah, and I think what what Samsung Samsung has going for them here is that you know the the Apple Watch is only going to be it's going to be completely tied to an Apple you know an iOS user, whereas this phone here, I keep calling a phone, <laughs> um, this smartwatch will. 
Um, you know, I don't know if they've made it cross-platform capable or not, but it, uh, you know, I, I think they've got more utility and folks, you know, have to weigh which, which device they buy. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's interesting you raise that because the, 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 the other reason that we wanted to talk about uh, wearables today was, is really uh, because of the, the surprise announcement from, uh, from Microsoft on, uh, I think it was, it was Wednesday uh, here, Wednesday evening here in the US that we heard um, that Microsoft were, were going to be launching the uh, the Microsoft Band. Yeah. And that had been – it wasn't entirely under wraps. There were certainly rumors going around that Microsoft uh, were going to be playing in this space. Uh, but uh, Wednesday Wednesday evening when they made the announcement, uh, they had already shipped to all of their retail stores at that stage uh, around the U.S., and um, including here and in Hawaii, um, some boxes that were labelled "Do not open until after closing time" on uh, uh, that that evening. Right. And uh, at at that closing time, uh, they were able to open them and have a look, and uh, and they had some uh, some staff training, and then they were uh, they were out available in the stores uh, the next morning. So that that almost sounds like an Apple play, you know. So it looks like they've learned a few lessons here. It's they? fantastic, isn't it, to uh, to to see uh, yeah Microsoft um, I don't know do, doing things maybe a, a little bit smarter. Yeah. Um, but I think very limited numbers. So they sold out in their online store. I think within maybe 24 hours yep. or so, very quickly, and uh, uh, fortunately for uh, for me, anyway, the uh, the Hawaii store was uh, um, the last to um, to to sell out, I believe. So uh, um, that's so why you, I've managed to get, get my ha- hands on. So you on, got one uh, before they sold out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so very lucky. You've been on eBay for up to uh, up to uh, US five hundred dollars. Uh, so. Now they're launching at one nine one ninety nine, and Microsoft have made the statement um, that all of the sensors and there's ten sensors in uh, in in this wearable uh, that all of them are available for licensing, and um, it seems to be that this is a little bit of a play from Microsoft to sort of right. uh, yeah stir up the product category, but I think they're focusing uh, as they traditionally have done on on the software, so to use. Uh, the Microsoft Band, as it's called, you have to load the uh, the Microsoft Health app, and that runs. You know, you were talking about the the Apple Watch being tied to Apple, and yep. uh, you know Samsung's product, you know, generally being tied tied back to, uh, um, well, yeah, all being uh, tied back to Android, and in some cases specifically to to uh, you know specific uh, f- f- phones. Um, well, the Microsoft Band. Is probably more like the Fitbit and um, you know some of those other the other products that are that are not from the big um, you know phone manufacturers and that it's available to run ac- across um, across platforms. So Windows Phone naturally <laughs> being a Microsoft right. product, um, but iOS and Android. In fact, uh, I. I've uh, haven't connected it across all the platforms yet. I've started out on uh, uh, hooking it into uh, to Android, and um, yeah, it works works nicely. You know, one thing I was surprised uh, you walked in here with it, and you know, I I was shocked that the only thing that concerns me is it it is heavy. Um, you know, if you and I have a Fitbit here, the one that yeah. you wear on your wrist, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it is probably. Oh, two or two or three times the two weight at or least. Three times, at least yeah. maybe three yeah. times. Yeah, 
And the way you wear it was the one that kind of surprised me the most, too, because it's almost like you'd think you'd wear it like a watch, but you don't. It's the, the actual readout is on the backside of your hand. Yeah, so you sort of have to have to uh, yeah, it's inside your wrist is where the uh, where the display is designed to be. Now the ten sensors we we're talking about, um, the 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 un, the well, not entirely unusual, but it's got GPS built in, so you can leave your uh, uh, you can can leave your uh, phone at home and uh, and and go for a run or a bike ride, whatever it is you're doing, and capture. Uh, the you know the, the the full journey that you've uh, you've been uh, there's a UV uh, sensor in there as well um, and you know varying varying other ones there in terms of checking your uh, uh, yes skin temperature and uh, your heart rate yeah um, now apps is an is an interesting one with this type of device in terms of well, what what can what can you do with it and you know I think that's something. Yeah, a lot of people are yet to be convinced, and I've certainly seen myself in that category in terms of, you know, is the wearable really a viable category? Because mostly what they've done to date uh, has been around replicating uh, phone functionality, particularly mm-hmm. when we when we look at the smartwatches. Now, although Microsoft, so Microsoft here are very much focusing on the uh, on the on the uh, the sensors and those health capabilities, and I think that's an area that. That a that a, a smartphone just can't do right. Your smartphone can't have all of those uh, right. sensors, and it tends to be sitting in your in your pocket if you're wanting to track uh, location. Something that's actually out and attached to you has some uh, has some benefits to it, doesn't it? It does. But you know, if you notice, I'm not wearing my Fitbit, and one of the reasons that I'm not wearing it is I I've gotten a little bit and don't call me paranoid, but okay, so they're collecting all this data now, heartbeat skin temperature, um, who knows what else, you know, with with those 10 sensors, they're going to be tracking a lot of data. So what happens when my insurance company wants to get access to my health activities? Okay, are they going to be able at some point to get access to the data? So Todd, you know, we've been tracking your, your device here for the past two years. You know, you've only went walking, uh, you know, thirty-two times, and you, you know, you, you, your heart rate's been at a higher rate than it should be, and your tension level, and well, let's, you know, let's kind of. Yeah, yeah. So, are you? Is that a problem in New Zealand? Are you guys worried about that down there? Um, I, th- I mean, there, I think there, yeah, there are always these sorts of these sorts of concerns. I guess uh, at at this stage, it's it's not something I've heard anyone sort of panicking about too much, right? Um, but you know, I think we probably will move more into that sort of uh, world where, where you know, and I've you know, in fact, uh, yeah, just uh, the day before I left New Zealand, I was listening to a, a radio advertisement for a uh, an insurance firm that you know really tailors your insurance based on you know down to more granular things. Now, yeah, one of these will allow You're them right. to do it on more granular level. I guess what I'm more interested in. Um, is if I could put the the if you could put that data in the hands of, uh, you know your doctor and right, so on, right, right. you know can they become more proactive right. and sort of say, well, hey, you know, Paul, 
you know, we run some software here that analyzes <laughs> all of the feeds in from from uh, from um, you know our, our patients. And uh, look, we you know we we picked up this week as an anomaly in yours. So That's right. uh, uh, let's uh, let's get you on the treadmill. Let's right. do this. Let's do that. Well, let's, that let's get you checked. That could be. Um, that definitely could be something that we could look forward to. I would think if they're able to get that type of of integration. Um, you know, I know now here in the United States, they have a, a car insurance firm that allows you to run a, put that dongle in that car and basically that port on your vehicle. And they, they basically look at how you're driving to determine how much insurance you're going to yeah, pay. Well, so. Yeah. That's the one I'm not so interested in, Todd. Uh, <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe one day, but, uh, yeah, yeah not, not just yet. So yeah, not um, the way I drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so some I think some you know some interesting uh, movement in this yeah. in this space of wearables. But now that we've got uh, you know so many of the big names that are committed uh, to wearables, uh, you know I think it's unlikely to go away. The interesting thing is we haven't really had a big hit yet though either, right? No. You know, and and there's there's that expectation that Apple are the ones that will will make that happen. Yeah. Uh, the question is. Will anybody other than Apple be able to make money out of this space? Um, you know, we, we look at the the tablets and smartphones, and such a big slice of the uh, the profit seems to be swinging in Apple's direction. So I guess that's the that's the unknown. Um, but you know, if you know, if you think about, you know, I know some folks love to wear a watch, but I've given up wearing a watch for many years because. You know, I pull my phone out, and there's the time and the de- and the information I need. And so, I think what's gonna, you know, what's gonna push people back into wearing a smartwatch is number one, if they get enough utility out of it. And I think this this Microsoft Band uh, has the potential to do that. And is you know, looking at this uh, Samsung S, it's uh, it's beautiful. And uh, that, from a design standpoint. And to put that on my wrist, I could, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to do that. Now I'm a guy. So the question then is too for the ladies, are they going to have something that the ladies are going to, because do you think your lady, uh, a woman would wear this? Well, the gear S is pretty large, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, questionable. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there will be, will be some interest, but you know, if you've got a bigger wrist, it would tend to suit a larger, uh, wrist. Now the, um, the, the Microsoft band actually comes in three different sizes. They've got small, medium and large. The large one is, uh, well, they're all adjustable as well. Right. Uh, to a degree. So that works. Is that the large? That works reasonably well. Yeah. I've got the large, the large one here. Um, and yeah, as you say, I'm just, just. Yeah, looking at it and holding it, they're you know reasonably chunky with the uh, with the varying sensors and yeah. so on in there. But uh, it wasn't too uncomfortable to wear. Um, and now I mentioned apps before, and um, uh, we ended up on something else. But just yeah. <laughs> running through quickly, so there there is a um, if you're comfortable sleeping with this, then there's a um, uh, a sleep tracker there, and you've got varying sorts of alerts, so uh, text messages and emails, mm-hmm. and you'll get the uh, you'll get the the head headings uh, or the sub subjects of your your emails. Um, you can trigger off. Uh, um, Cortana as well, if you've got it linked up to a Microsoft phone, uh, link into your uh, your calendar, and then you can trigger off your various activities like uh, uh, running and uh, varying workout type uh, f- activities a- a- as well, which is uh, 
is good. And um, one a bit more specific to uh, to the US because um, they'd probably have to make some adjustments for this to, to work at Starbucks and other countries, but there's a Starbucks app and you load in there your your Starbucks card in the US, which tends to you know you, you carry right. credit on it, yep. and uh, it puts the barcode uh, oh. straight onto onto the screen. So, so they can, just they just scan that. Yeah, so I walked into Starbucks uh, this morning and uh, you know fired that up, and they scanned it and uh, drained all my uh, all my remaining credit. So were they uh, ready? Were they Starbucks was ready for that then? So was, yeah, so they didn't have to do anything at all because it was using a. Uh, a barcode reader, and the mm-hmm. screen's big enough to yep. show a barcode. Uh, they just read the bar, the sixteen-digit, you know, code for um, uh, for for my card, and uh, and away it went. So yeah, that worked pretty flawlessly. Um, and then you can tie into other apps that have got a notification capability. So I've linked in uh, Twitter. Uh, you can link in Facebook and other ones like you know stock applications and so on. Um, so yeah, the, the, yeah, there's um, yeah, there's a fair degree of customizability there, and you can go in and customize that from the um, from the smartphone. It's all done from your own smartphone. Uh, you don't need to hook it into a PC or Mac to uh, to do it. One of the big gyms here in the United States, of course, uh, chain is a Gold's Gym, and they've made a looks like they made a partnership with them. But they've also got some apps. They're probably you know country dot you know agnostic and use My Fitness Pal, Run Keeper, Map My Fitness. Those are apps that are working with the uh with the band so it's uh it looks like they do have some good inoperability for those that are you know for folks like you down in new zealand yeah i mean that does seem to be microsoft's sort of play here is if they can hook in with as many external mm-hmm. uh you know uh players as possible then that will uh that'll help them do something with the uh, microsoft health app so yeah. um yeah i'm curious where where that will head and whether they'll get get the traction being multi-platform I'm I'm kind of curious though if you know if people are, are on Android or or on Apple whether they'll be interested in a in a product that that isn't from their uh, you know their brand of of typical choice when right. it comes to uh, um, yeah their smartphone platform. I think it's all dependent on how successful they are at integrating partners and more more apps and uh, once they've done that and they're able to execute with uh, you know all the sensors are in this thing then I think we'll. We'll see, but um, it was a big surprise for sure. What yeah. they announced. Yeah. Um, n- now we, we've um, we've a few other gadgets here. Um, I think we'll we'll jump onto something something else uh, while we're on the the Microsoft uh, related uh, topic. There, oh, talking, yeah. talking about uh, um, the Microsoft Band. Um, something else that I found at the Microsoft Store. There were a couple of other things, but. Um, this one sort of jumped out at me from a uh, from a, uh, a value perspective, and uh, that was the new Toshiba uh, Encore, which is a seven-inch tablet uh, from Toshiba that's running uh, running Windows. Now we heard just in the last few weeks that uh, US ninety-nine dollar tablets were uh, were about to land. Uh, I guess I wasn't expecting a you know at this price point to to see no, a mean, name like Toshiba sort of you know launching a product so uh, it, uh, so quickly. But uh, yeah, there we go. A ninety nine dollar um, uh, tablet. It's got um, you know forward and, and rear uh, camera, and uh, you know slot there for a for a, for a memory card. 
Um, you know, it, it's not a huge amount of storage. It's got 16, uh, 16 gigs in it. But uh, just in terms of a basic tablet, um, yeah, that would probably suit a lot of uh, a lot of typical sort of uh, t- tablet usage. And you've got a place for a micro SD card in it, so you can expand if you want on a memory standpoint. And I'm just kind of looking at it here, and you know, for ninety nine bucks, I'm just amazed that the screen is not half bad. You know, it's 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 not as bright as what you would see on like a you know a Samsung Galaxy product, but it's no, definitely. You know, it's everything is here. It's usable, and I could see that we're, you know, I've got a few like I got a, some old Nexus Seven type of tablets here that were relatively inexpensive. Yeah, um, which screens weren't bad. There's a lot of utility out of these things. I could see where um, this could could come in handy just as a as a backup device to have and. For ninety nine dollars, um, use it as an e reader. Yeah, whatever. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the, the, at now at this sort of price point, and you know, it's a fraction of what uh, you could buy any sort of Windows mm-hmm. tablet for. Uh, you know, 12, 12 months ago, um, you know, it does put Microsoft in that space where they have got a, a chance now to compete again um, against Android. So, um, yeah. I'll be curious to see whether uh, you know whether over the sort of the holiday shopping season uh, they manage to gain uh, you know gain much much traction uh, in in the space sort of against uh, the lower cost Android devices because it's I guess it falls into that category of it's good enough you know at ninety nine dollars mm-hmm. it's not going to be a top of the line nope. absolutely stunning device but it's actually good enough for for you know most typical sort of stuff now other end of the spectrum uh, we've got the new Apple products that have uh, uh, landed in in terms of the um, the iPad Air uh, two and uh, we've also got the new um, iPad Mini, and these have uh, these just come in in the last uh, last few days. Now, Todd, you were having a look <laughs> at the sort of the, the screens on uh, on both of them, and uh, and and you you taught me a good trick, which is hey, just turn them up to full brightness, and uh, boy, they uh, they do look really good at uh, at full brightness, don't they? And I mean, they're they're pretty stunning from a you know a, a screen just, definition just, perspective. Oh. Hugely Beautiful. responsive, um, and you know, of of course, um, you know, as as we're used to uh, with Apple, there's always uh, there's always a step up in terms of uh, um, you know processing and 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 uh, you know a, a bunch of other features with the new release. I think uh, they're talking now for the um, for the iPad Air two, it's down to four hundred and thirty seven uh, grams. And uh, nearly twenty percent um, thinner. It's six six point one millimeters. Um, I mean, that's uh, that that's right down there with with your uh, you know your iPhone yeah. six uh, uh, plus and so on, right? That's yeah. um, that's 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 super slim. It's um, but it's it's very very nice, very powerful and uh, and and responsive. Um, I don't think there's too much you can sort of uh, you know fault. Uh, you know, Apple for here, right? Um, you know, and, and my wife is a, we were both big iPad users. Mm. And of course, we're kind of device agnostic. We use everything, but my wife primarily uses the iPad. And I brought her in here before we started. I said, feel this. The first thing she says, oh my God, it's so light. Mm. And then, uh, um, she, of course, she has uh, an iPad that before the Air series came out. And so it's, you know, it was quite a big, she got a 
bit of a raised eyebrow, but um, just looking at the screen, uh, you know, I think we have all seen the spec deltas between uh, the original and, and this new version. And, you know, some of the specs are minimally different, but um, definitely from a, just how thin it is, is uh, it's pretty incredible. It really is. And the screen is absolutely beautiful. So the question for me, because you've got a lot of devices here yeah. and, and around the house and, you know, a mix of sort of older and, and newer things like mm-hmm. most of us, um, do people need to always be replacing and getting the, you know, the newest model or, you know, are we falling into now that, look, we expect a new model to come out every year, but uh, for for most of us, is it uh, you know is it appropriate to wait until your uh, your existing device sort of gets to a little bit to end of life from a, a software perspective and you know functionality yeah. and features or, or for it to die entirely what's what's your yeah what's your take on this how do you handle it well you know a lot of it's the economics of it too and how much you can afford and how many devices you can buy and it's that it's that device creep that uh, kills the old pocketbook but you know, for example, I've we've got a couple of iPad ones, and I'm just holding one here in my mm-hmm. hand. And this is, you know, my kids use this, and then so this was originally mine. I handed it down. This thing yep. still holds a charge; it yep. still goes fine. Um, and I think it all depends on where you want to be from an operating. You know, this will not run, you know, the newest iOS, obviously, but uh, you know, it still does the functions that they want to do, play games and that type of of stuff. For for my wife and I, though. Um, I will probably this year probably make the jump to the new iPad and, uh, she may even, well, maybe we both will at some point here, but, um, I think what most folks are seeing is that they're holding on to the, the tablets a lot, lot longer than they are their mobile phones. Um, and, and here's, what's the number one thing that drives you crazy about your mobile phone after it's been a couple of years? It's usually the battery, right? Yeah, yeah. You went, yeah, two two years and your battery's really yeah. starting to die. And, and, and if you're using an Android device, it's no big deal. You go buy a new battery and stick it in. But on the iPhone, you have to take the Apple Store, go through the hour of having them change the battery out, pay the money. And that's what I had to do with this uh, iPhone 5 was have the battery preached recently. Now that the battery's been replaced, I'm not so inclined to replace it. Now, I've ordered a 6 Plus, so I'm going to get a 6 Plus. But the tablets... I think as soon as the batteries start dying on the tablets, we'll, we'll dump them. But they've built them pretty good where the batteries are holding a long time. Yeah, yeah. I think the, I mean, the battery technology is something that has really improved over you know over the last sort of you know five ten years, I suppose. And you know, I remember uh, you know laptop batteries. It was it was normal. You'd have a <laughs> you'd have a uh, you know a three year warranty yeah. on your on your laptop. But the, there was actually a note in there saying the warranty on the battery was six months. Right. Uh, and it was typical, uh, or certainly not uncommon, to to need to you know swap your battery out, um, you know, part way through the, the the life of the laptop. But whereas these days it's pretty normal, right? You yeah. you, you you keep a laptop for uh, three years, and yep. uh, your your battery's you know often is is still just fine. And I think you know, so the tablets go though. Um, you know, I'm. I'm I'm on a slower upgrade path myself personally, even on the tablets. So, uh, and we use them a lot. So, I think this is part of the earnings issues that Apple's had is they're starting to see a slowdown. So, I think my repurchase habits are probably a little bit different. I get stuff in for here for review, just like you do all the time, and mm. you know we send that stuff back. But what I buy for myself, um, you know, is oftentimes 
you know, I've made the decision here. Well, it looks beautiful. It's great. But is it that big of a delta between the last device? Maybe not. So let's wait another year or two. Yeah, I think it depends where you sit, how much of an enthusiast you are, and right. whether you can really get some, you know, huge benefit. And you know, it's it's lovely that it's eighteen percent thinner, um, but you know, it's it's not going to, uh, um, you know, suddenly improve your marriage right. or uh, I you know make you ten times more productive. Is it is a business like that? Right? Is a business or I, I I measure stuff in productivity wise. You know, I, I'm sitting right here. I got a Mac. Pro 2009 machine that was had some issues and I replaced it and you know I got, I'm getting an incredible amount of efficiency out of that upgrade but mm-hmm. I don't see necessarily that efficiency gain in a in a tablet. It depends what you do with well, it. I mean, if true. that's your main working device, right. then then you know the, the story can change. That's and, true. And you know, and I think you know that's why people will often. Uh, you know, business-wise, we'll be getting the top-end laptop that's the most mm-hmm. robust. It's really strong. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna give them that uh, yeah, three years of 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 reliable uh, you know, or, or whatever the period is they use it for reliable uh, use, and it's going to be really productive for that period. But right. um, I you know, I guess it it depends, and you know, we see there are a chunk of people that use the iPad as as quite a key device and and uh, the work they do. And of course, you can do things like video editing and and so on on them on the go. It's yeah, probably not something that most would do, but mm-hmm. uh, the options are there. So it's it's uh, it's nice to have the step up. Now on to uh, on to other topics. Now there's been some pretty well sad news in in recent days, really. Um, in in terms of what's what's happening in the. Um, I guess space race isn't yeah. really the, the the term these days. Isn't it's, it? Although it's we're, the, it's we've the sort of got into a new sort of space it's race like of sorts. The, commer- the commercial space race. Yeah. So um, so I mean, first was the um, um, the the rocket that was um, heading up for the, um, the the Wallops Island launch with the orbital Sci- orbital solutions with the yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So the the orbital um, is it orbital science or is science? it uh, orbital something? Yeah, or, yeah. orbital solutions yeah. or whatever yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's orbital sciences. So their their um, uh, rocket that was was go- the um, was was going up the uh, the Antares rocket yep. um, to yep. resupply um, the International um, Space Station. That was first. That was um, what just less than a than a week ago, and uh, yeah, that was contracted or under contract to NASA to, to resupply the space station, and um, in, you know, in, exploded not uh, not it, too far up, right? Yeah, and it's true. And if it turns out that this was an engine problem, um, that motor was bought from the Russians. The the Orbital Sciences buys that motor from uh, the Russian, and I don't know if it's the same. Um, same rocket that's used on the Soyuz launches or not, but uh, it. Uh... Well, the word was these were these were uh, rockets. I think that were originally designed in the uh, uh, in the nineteen sixties, uh, and they're in the direction of um, uh, fifty years old. I think they they were actually built from the late sixties through until uh, the the early seventies. And the the original aim was to use them to um, for the Soviets to uh, um, to, to put people on on the moon, hmm. and uh, yeah, that that didn't happen. But um, you know, they've obviously had some uh, 
some other uses, but yeah, it, it does seem strange. And I remember uh, reading, uh, you know, some some comments. I think that was some time ago from uh, from Elon Musk, who of course is sort of the the competition to. Um, um, yeah, to the folks orbital, there. Yep. and uh, you know, with with SpaceX, it also has a contract with NASA, and uh, you know, he he was saying that, um, yeah, their, their rocket uh, sounds like the punchline to a to a joke, and it, it does seem, uh, yeah, very unusual to be using these old uh, old rockets, but yeah, realistically, probably very little change in in terms of the uh, uh, yeah the the technology around this stuff and in that period. So and, and interesting yeah. enough, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got these guys out at uh, Virgin Galactic who have a, really an experimental motor and fuels. And, uh, you know, the initial indications are there, sadly, that their motor blew up. Now that's, you know, complete speculation at this point, but, you know, they've been cautioned um, over the past couple of years to, you know, do a lot of testing with these motors they're using, and and they were using a brand new fuel this time. So uh, something definitely went wrong. And it, I saw a commentary from one person said that uh, Galactic, uh, uh, excuse me, Virgin Galactic has been playing Russian roulette with their motors, and I thought that was pretty strong words. I don't know if I'd use that personally. Um, yeah, there's there's been a lot of comments online. Um, Around that, um, the latest bits I've I've seen have you know referred to uh, st- structural failure um, rather than directly oh. um, you know f- focusing on the um, the, the the engines and and so on and uh, and also the you know the fuel which is certainly somewhat uh, you know the whole thing is somewhat experimental but yeah the the difference here with Virgin is that you know these aren't you know focused on on uh, on on taking people up to the international space right. station, which uh, yeah tends to be people that work for NASA, uh, you know Virgin is is targeting well nope. maybe not you and me just yet, but you know that's their longer term right. aim. Um, you know it's very much around uh, space tourism. Yep. Um, those that are that are willing to put um, yeah put up a, a couple of hundred thousand uh, uh, US or so to uh, to do it, but you know I think this is going to put a lot of people off. I th- you know I think when when people heard that Virgin were going to f- fly people up to the edge of space, there was that thought. Well, hey, uh, you know if this is going to happen sort of tourism wise, yep. then this is going to be reasonably safe. Uh, you know what's happened in the last week, I think. Yeah, puts a, a a pretty big question mark around uh, that whole thing, and is a bit of a reminder around the realities associated with, right. with getting into into space. And it's um, yeah, I guess you could you could compare it to um, you know early airplanes, right? Yeah. Now in the early '90s, I was living in California, and um, I got to go out to the Mojave Desert, and actually was I was out there to do something with the uh, FAA, but. Um, I was there because the Los Angeles uh, Air Traffic Control Center is right there at that same Mojave complex. And um, I was went over to um, Scaled Composites and was able to actually – and this was just like at that time, they were building um, high-performance uh, uh, aircraft. They were doing stuff that they would use to air shows and rodeos and that type of stuff. And I was – I got to tour the whole doggone facility back then, you know. Wow. And, and I got to meet the, many of those team members that are still there today, the the head of that company. And uh, it was really cool. But, you know, then, of course, the, how far they've come. But, um, you know, those uh, composite materials they use on that aircraft uh, um, are some of the same type of materials that's used in, like, the construction of an FA-18. 
when they crash, those carbon fibers are highly, highly dangerous. So um, I was kind of surprised to see the NTSB folks, which is the National Transportation Safety Board, walking around the crash site without ventilators. I thought that was surprising to me. Maybe they've got the science down where it's, those uh, fibers aren't harmful. But, um, yeah, it's it's too bad here what's happened there. I was, you know, I think we all have high hopes that they're able to make this. I want to take a ride. I want to, you know, you know, let's uh, – Let's do a, a fund me thing where I can go and raise the cash and let's you know let's let's podcast this baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. No, it sounds like a bit of fun. Um, now, one uh, one positive sort of thing of 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 note, and this this is uh, you know just just come up. Um, yeah, f- following hearing th- this news was that um, NASA's Orion um, spacecraft um, has uh, you know completed being built, and um, this is uh, this is based at um, Kennedy Space Center in uh, in Florida, and it's just uh, just about a month away from uh, the the first um, test flight from um, Cape Canaveral, and this is. The Orion is is basically aimed to um, to to head to uh, into deep space, uh, potentially to uh, to Mars, right? Yeah, so this is a that's pretty exciting. It's a whole new platform, top to bottom. So uh, you know, uh, you know, but we have to remember, you know, if we go back, you know, just to the '60s, you know, my grand, uh, my, I had an uncle who was a Fulbright Colonel in the Air Force, and he was uh, evolved heavily in. The early days of space launches, you know, like, you know, more than 50 percent of the rockets blew up on the pad when they were doing these tests. So I think from a perspective standpoint, we have to understand that there are going to be some failures no matter what on this this type of technology, whether it's new or old. It's just the, you know, that much energy. Um, you know, you think about the, the, the quantity of the energy that's being produced by um, these machines, these rockets, um, you know, it's it's a high risk and it's a high risk uh, stuff. I think we all need to realize that's the, you know, that's the price we're going to pay for, for pushing to the next level. And, um, you know, I hate to say it, but we're probably going to blow up a few more rockets and sadly probably kill a few more people before it's all done. But if, if we don't, um, we're going to be lucky and then we hope we don't, but, uh, we'll see where this whole space race stuff leads. I, I, I still think it's kind of a space race, but um, well, but, probably yeah, it is. It's sort of a, a new level, isn't it? Yeah. Say, right now, um, moving on sure. from from um, from space. Now, something that uh, sparked a bit of interest for for me was being in a Radio Shack uh, store <laughs> and seeing now in New Zealand and and most places around the world, you know, we're varying um, you know mobile data plans, right? And uh, of course, you got the ones that are called unlimited, and the, you know, they usually that when you when you read the fine print you're working yeah. out that there's, there's some sort of limitation uh, in there um i signed up um you know I'll, I'll occasionally if i'm if i'm in the u.s for a period or i'm, or I'm going to be uh for a chunk of time and in, in, in a short space of time i might sign up for a local sim card yeah and so uh i've got one that uh gives me uh yeah five gigs worth of uh data on a so-called unlimited plan um, but I was looking at AT and T, and they've got these family plans that can offer you a uh, hundred gigs a month worth of four uh, G uh, data. Now, this is a shared family plan, so it's not just designed for one person. Yep. But uh, I guess one person could use that if they want to, right? That's, I would um, think so. Yeah, that's a pretty 
a pretty impressive uh, it is. mobile plan. I think it was about $380, so uh, not particularly cheap no. as US dollars. But uh, um, I guess it's just nice nice to see uh, you know, carriers getting a little bit, um, I don't know, thinking a little bit bigger in terms of their plans. Obviously, this is limited by what their networks can carry, um, hence there being some restrictions. Yep. Um, I mean, are you seeing a, a sort of a, a big increase here in sort of demand for mobile mobile it's, data? It's uh, it's what life is about now with people on the go. You know, it's my kids are you know addicted to the bandwidth as well. I, I think what we have is uh, um, we purchased three Samsung Galaxy S fives uh, on Verizon, which is a local carrier or national carrier here, and uh, we did a ten gig shared plan. A family shared plan, and I think that run me with the phone service and everything about 150 US dollars. So, uh, not bad. But they've got these plans now where if you pay like a hundred dollars a month, you don't you get the phones on contract. You pay for a hundred bucks a month for the phones. Then within one year, I can actually upgrade the phones again. So if you want to upgrade on a more regular basis, you're basically renting the phones for a year for a hundred bucks, which was and and they pay the difference. And there's some deltas there. There's something you know, but I think 100 gigs, um, I, I think about the mobile data that I use, and I have a MiFi that has 10 gigs, and then I have... Uh, so that's a mobile sort of hotspot device. It's a yeah? hotspot device. Yeah. And then I have the... Um, I, actually, I can tether this one as well, um, but this is on a business plan, so I think we have five phones and 20 gigs on this one. Right, with, right. But you it's, made one with your iPhone yeah. and, and your other. But we uh, use it up, you know. Yeah. So it depends. I guess depends on your use case. Some people don't use a lot. My son, believe it or not, he's the one that uses the least amount. Uh, I was kind of shocked. My daughter uses the most, and uh, she's on Pinterest and those types of sites. So. Um, yeah, well, that, that's. I guess it's the photos and the video that really. Uh, yeah, eat it up. That they really chew through it. Right now, um, locally in uh, in Auckland, uh, this last week, um, Spark, which is was one of our our biggest uh, or our our, our biggest uh, telco and um, and and IT firm, um, announced the launch of the sixty nine million dollar uh, data center. Now, this is is curious to me, and I I was um, yeah that's a that's a pretty big investment, yeah, uh, probably fifty million uh, US. And uh, I was thinking about where Hawaii is placed compared to mm-hmm. uh, the mainland US, and you're connected via, um, well, in part, the same, we're, we're linked up via the yep. Southern Cross Cable to yep. uh, uh, to the mainland US. You are too. Maybe there are some other cables that, that link you as well. There's a lot of cables that come in here because we're kind of yeah. a hub point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, you're – but. When I thought about it, you're actually further away from the U.S. than New Zealand is away from Australia, and uh, you know, in in New Zealand, we've got now easy access to uh, Amazon, uh, you know, cloud services and Microsoft and so on. Um, sure, there's always been local uh, local data centres, but I'm. Yeah, I'm curious. Here in Hawaii, do you have uh, you know people making big investments in, in data centers, or are you just linking up to what's what's not that far away? Um, as I say, you know, slightly further than it is between New Zealand and Australia. I, I think there used to be investments in data centers here. Yeah. I do not know of any major investments of data centers. I might be wrong, but you know, with the advent of 
you know, you look where you can get hosting and where you can get data services now. It's almost, you know, it's incredible the choices you have, whether you want to go with Microsoft or if you want to go with the Rackspace or with Amazon. And, you know, the pricing is, um, you know, thank goodness has got to the point where the average Joe can, you know, can almost afford to have a couple of servers and, you know, a CDN type of connectivity and, and not break the bank doing it. Now, one thing that we've always had challenges with as far as my company goes is, you know, I'd like to serve more of the podcasters in New Zealand, but what ends up happening is that um, when we basically work with the uh, CDN provider, they're going to pull that data from a New Zealand data center, and it always costs us a premium on the bandwidth. Um, but I think Amazon's down there now. It's it's not as as expensive as it used to be. So how are they going to be able to compete then locally? Are they going to be able to you know, compete with uh, the Amazons and Microsofts of the world or, you know, how's that going to work out for them? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, it is curious and, you know, it was only, um, uh, you know, it's, I think it's been, probably been uh, um, less than a year since um, um, Spark, formerly Telecom, uh, you know, acquired um, one of the bigger uh, local hosting firms in New Zealand. Um, yeah, I'm I'm curious how uh, how that's going to fly. Obviously, there there are, you know there are different demands, and not everything uh, suits being in right. a, in a you know uh, a, a full cloud service yeah. like what what Amazon uh, provides. And you know, there's also that um, that that local mm-hmm. uh, requirement of being in country. And obviously, here between Hawaii and mainland, I mean, you're still within the same country. Right. And there's those sort of data sovereignty things, which um, yeah, I know there there are still some concerns about, particularly government data and and so on, in terms of where it actually uh, I, I where, would, where it sits. I would think banks and uh, you know government facilities, the you know the military, they're all going to want to use New Zealand data centers. They're not going to want to. You know, drop that on the cloud, and of course, with all the crap that's been going on here, with uh, you know, people are pretty sensitive these days with uh, where their data saying. Look at what Brazil's doing; they're trying to completely route around the United States completely with uh, all the information that was revealed by Edward Snowden. So, um, you know, I think, uh, and I guess those customers have deep pockets, don't they? That's the thing. If you're dealing with 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 government and Banks, financial, you know, the financial institutions and the like, um, yeah, military. They've, you know, they uh, they could probably, uh, yeah, afford to pay uh, to pay the the difference to have the uh, the data locally. But uh, yeah, just just curious whether they will attract, uh, you know, attention with any of the, um, I guess, mid size to um, you know down type uh, sizes of, of I, organizations I think if, I think or if it's purely I, at the top tier. I think if I was Spark, I'd be uh, saying, hey, uh, I'd be promoting all those items I just talked about. You know, your data is local, your your storage is local. It's, uh, you know, obviously subject to New Zealand law, but it's not subject to being sitting on a U.S. server somewhere or a U.S. corporation-owned server. I, I think as a business owner, I would... Uh, I'd heavily look at it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, that wraps us up for this uh, episode. I think we've managed to uh, cover off most of the devices and gadgets <laughs> we've got uh, we've got sitting here. And uh, a pleasure to uh, to join you here, Todd. So thank you very much for your time. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Now, where do we pe- where do people uh, track you down? You're on you're on um, on Twitter sure. and uh, and. And online, I guess. What are the what are the two best locations to find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Geek News, 
And again, you can come right over to the website at geeknewcentral.com and all the stuff there for Facebook and Google Plus and every other location that uh, uh, we are all, all of us geeks are hanging out with. And uh, definitely subscribe to my show as well. I do a twice weekly show every Monday and Thursday, which uh, so I guess it would be uh, Tuesday and Friday in uh, in New Zealand, I believe. Or yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's get subscribed to the show. Matter of fact, I'm closer to you guys time zone wise than I am, I think, the East Coast, even though it's the opposite. It's the the day difference. Day difference, yeah. yeah but No, you are, absolutely. Uh, in but, fact, it's a bit easier yeah. uh, from a traveling uh, perspective between uh, between our country and yeah. locations. So, uh, yeah. And uh, anyone wanting to uh, track me down on Twitter, is, uh, I'm Paul Spain. Uh, and you can uh, you can also follow the NZ Tech Podcast at NZ Tech Podcast uh, on Twitter, across the other social networks, and we're at nztechpodcast.com. So, hey, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications. Data networks built for business.